Amen. Now, this evening we're looking at uh, living by the word of God. That's the short topic. Living by the word of God that guarantees the blessings of God. That's the expanded topic that guarantees the blessings of God. And in the introduction, we say we need to come to a realization of how much we depend on God's word and to see that without the word of God, nothing really happens until the word comes. Nothing really happens. Without it, we starve spiritually and become malnourished and weak and incapable of doing anything spiritually or even fighting of the enemy and the flesh. We really become spiritually weak, malnourished, and only the strong do exploits, which means we are not candidates for doing exploits. So we need to be strong to do exploits. And one way to be strong is to know God. Those who know their God are the ones that are strong and do exploits. They are the ones that can resist the devil. They are the ones that can resist whatever is coming against them. They are the ones that can guard their hearts effectively. They are the ones that can control their flesh and put it under control. So we're going to look at some things that will help us really appreciate this topic. The primary place of the word in our relationship with God. I want to start by saying, do not put anything above the word of God. Do not put anything at all above the word of God. Miracles, power, whatever. It doesn't matter what that thing is. Don't fall for the temptation. Never, never yield to the temptation to place those things above the word of God and to seek those things instead of the knowledge of Christ. Don't fall for it. It's the same thing we do. We, we, we have this knack for looking for uh, uh, things that are spectacular. It attracts everybody. Many things that are spectacular are not really of God. You don't seek the spectacular. Seek God. Seek Jesus he is the miracle itself. When you find him, you find every other thing. We are so attracted to spectacular things as if to say it equates to the miracles of God. Don't do that. And that's how we miss our miracles because, you know, unless it's spectacular, we never believe God has done anything. You know, this thing stick in our hearts and we keep t- t- saying to people, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Because what you see, walking by sight, God says, don't, don't do that, don't follow your sight. Follow up my word. Walk by faith. So you don't fall for this temptation of being attracted by miracles, you know, power, anointing. Don't fall for that at the expense of the knowledge of God. The word of God is your guide in this life. You miss it, you are walking in darkness. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. A lamp to guide my feet and the light to my path. So you remove the word, you are in darkness. And you know the spirit that walks in darkness. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So you can't put anything above God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Suddenly the world is him now. And nothing was created except through him. 
The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot never extinguish it. The word gave life to everything, verse 4. So nothing comes into existence without the word. Nothing happens without it. The Christian must understand the, the very important place of the word of God in his life and his relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. You know, when God wanted to save the world, he didn't send the anointing, he sent the word. He didn't send the power of the Holy Spirit, he sent the word. Because without the word, nothing will happen. We can't be saved. He sent the word. Psalm 105, 18. Whose feet the hot with fetters, he was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him, the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go. That's Joseph, I think, was talking about Joseph, right? Until the word of the Lord came. Nothing has the same status as the word of God. Nothing. Because the word was God. Psalm 128, verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. Which means God can do nothing outside this word. That's what this thing means. His name represents his power and authority. He has magnified his word above his name. Which means his word controls what his power does. God cannot act outside his word. So you, you might as well do yourself a word of good to stick to the word if you want to see God's power move. That is genuine, that is real, that will last. The scripture calls Jesus the word. Revelation 19, 13. And he, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. His name, his name. His name is called the word of God. So you can't put anything above Jesus. You can't. There's no scripture that says to do that. So let's be imitators of God. If God put his word above his name, let's be imitators of God. And don't you fall for it. It's very tempting because a lot of people do that. They chase this. They chase that. Don't follow the crowd. You will end where the crowd ends. If you build anything outside the word of God, it will not last. It will come down. Any ministry that is built outside the word of God, built on power and, and anointing, it doesn't last. All you need to do is go to Lagos and get a history of them, all of them. They used to fill national stadium. They used to fill stadium in a battle. I went to, I went, when I was a new Christian, I was attracted. So I used to go and stay all night. And the old people, man, people will come from everywhere. Power, 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 miracle, miracle. They are no more. They're all gone. They are all gone. They make noise, you know, the miracle, miracle, miracle. And people flock, 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 flock. But there is no foundation of the word. There's no life. That, there's no foundation there. And boom, the whole thing just goes like that. You can, you can find from many Christians, they will tell you, stories of many popular, many, very, very popular ministries that used to shake Lagos and shake everywhere. They didn't even last two years. They used to be in a battle. They, they would go for deliverance all night, vomiting, rolling everywhere. Gone. All of them go. Matthew 7, 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you, walk, you that walk in iniquity. Why? They didn't take his word seriously. They didn't. So in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. A wise man who built his house upon a rock. Who, who takes the word of God seriously. 
25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. It will stand. It, it will last. If, because the word of God does not fail, it will last. For it was founded upon a rock. You know, many people say, Jesus is the rock for sure. But here the context is talking about the sayings of mine. If you do them, what you are doing is founded upon the rock. The word, the living word, the living word is founded on Christ. It's founded on his word. If it's a ministry, the word of God becomes the foundation. It's founded on it. Nothing will, that ministry will last 100 years. It's still going. It will still be going. If it's a business, it will still be going. Anything founded on this world will still be going. Nothing will bring it down. No, absolutely nothing. Totally nothing. The storms will come. Trials will come. But they are waste of time. You know, the world is not, it's not spectacular. <laughs> you know, not spectacular. But that's God. The world was God. Christ, the word, mystery of God. 26, Matthew 7, 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, this is why the trouble matters. That's why the trouble is. Doeth them not, what happens? Shall be likened unto a foolish man. He lacks wisdom. He lacks wisdom, the word of God. Which built his house upon the sand. Whether you are doing business, whatever you say, think you are doing, and you disregard the study of the Bibles, disregard Bible studies, disregard, you don't take the word of God seriously because money is coming for now. It's for a while. I'm telling you. It's just for a while. Because you are getting money every you know you, you live at the moment. You don't think of the end. It's for a while. Oh, people can rush now. You think, oh, that's it. It's just for a while. It won't last. Because winds will come, storms will come. It's not built on this foundation. It will come. It does come. And it says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and they fell. And they say, Great was the fall. Why? Because it had grown, they had built it. So great was the fall. Now it's a lot, a big thing that came down. Are we, are we not living in this country and see how big companies in one day, in one week, crumbled? Just crumbled. It wasn't. It, it's not, I mean, can we remember? So in this last day, the enemy is trying his best to model up the waters, confuse many people with power, with what they can see, with what can attract them. The last thing the enemy will do is, is to help you know Jesus. He will never do that because there's no truth in him. So confusing people so that he gives them substitute, religious substitute to knowing Christ. Paul said there is nothing that compares no knowledge compares with knowing Jesus Christ. Nothing. Don't place anything above that knowledge of Christ. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Don't say, you, I didn't tell you. Don't do that. The word of God upholds everything. If you remove it, that thing I didn't have nothing to hold it. Nothing. Look at Hebrews 1.3. Who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of his power. That is power in what form? And the scripture says that ignorance is the, is the main reason Christians perish and do not walk in their blessings. Remember the topic? It's living the word of God. It's a guarantee for the blessings. Now the scripture says God's people perish because of ignorance. Which means they, they, they don't enjoy their blessings because of ignorance. 
Hosea 4 6 says that. My people, my people, my people, my people, my people, not people who are not his. Those who belong to him, my people, believers, Christians, are destroyed. I mean, this is a strong word, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, which a lot of people are doing, because they are too busy. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be a priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God or the word of God, I will also forget thy children. So the Lord Jesus said to us that the truth is the real means of deliverance, that it lasts. The truth, the truth, the truth. Then said Jesus to, to those Jews who believed in him, John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, there are a lot of religious activities. This is the one Jesus said. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and then the truth shall make you free. You walk in freedom. No bondage, no this, no that. Freedom all the time. Remember, the, the light, the word shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend it. It, it, it dismisses darkness. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul was writing Timothy to be a very good teacher of Scripture. But it applies to us now. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. He saying, Timothy, you should study to know the Scripture so you teach it correctly. That's what he's telling him here. So that you don't, you're not ashamed because if you don't know what you're teaching, you'll be ashamed. You'll be, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be mumbling things. You'll be ashamed. And your students ask you questions. You don't know what you're talking about. He said, Timothy, don't be like that. We shouldn't be like that. This is for everybody. We should study so that when we're confronted by Satan, confronted by these things of this world, we can't be ashamed. We, can, we, we, can, we become skillful users of the word of God. Walk in glory. I was praying recently, and I, you know, I took a lot of names to the Lord in prayer. I said, Lord, this person facing this challenge, facing this challenge, facing this challenge, and facing this challenge. I said, Lord, I want you to tell me how I can help these people. Because I pastor them. I laid their names out there. The Lord said to me, he said, pray that I open their eyes of understanding. He said, really? He said, yes. He said, every problem has a solution. I know it. Pray that I open their eyes of understanding. And I started that prayer. That God will open their eyes of understanding and show them, give them wisdom to see what they need to do to get this thing resolved. So one of the best ways to help people out of their problem and even help yourself when you have a problem is not to be barging at God, yelling at God all night, you know, keep doing the same thing you are doing. It's to pause and go back to God and find out the wisdom you need to resolve that. Because there is something that you ought to do you, have, you, are not, you don't know. Or there is something you are doing that God says, no, continue. You need to go back to God and say, Lord, why is my faith not working? Why is this thing still here? Instead of badging and badging, you know, you're badging and badging and badging and yelling at God and calling for more prayers. That's not, that's not the solution. It's to pause, retreat, take a stock, go back to God and say, Lord, there is wisdom I need. There is revelation I need that will resolve this issue. And only you can give it to me. Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, commit knowledge and understanding. The Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth commit knowledge and understanding. Remember Jesus said, when you know the truth, it sets you free. There is revelation God will give you and you're free in two minutes. 
They're totally free in two minutes. It's, the word comes, you are free. John 6, 45. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that had heard and had learned of what the Father cometh unto me. We shall all be taught of God. So we need divine wisdom to confront issues of life. We need word that God teaches you in anything that faces you in life. Lord, I need wisdom. I don't know how, I don't know why. This wisdom comes from you. This truth comes from you. Give it to me. Because if I have it, this thing is resolved. Who give it to you? That's why James said in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, that's what it means. Lord, I've been facing this thing that I lack wisdom to get resolved. It's not resolving. I need that wisdom. I need that revelation. I need that truth that I need to know to get this thing resolved. You don't give up. You don't start giving up. and start. If you start giving up, you are your way out. You don't give up. You go back to God and say, this, your word works. This thing works. I'm not seeing it. I need wisdom. I need for you. I lack wisdom in this thing. What am I doing wrong? What am I supposed to do? There must be knowledge. There must be revelation that you should give me that will resolve this thing. And the moment the word comes, you are free. Completely free. So instead of badging and, you know, doing, the, doing desperate things and calling for more people to pray, go back to God and find out. The word resolves it and brings your blessings to you. So you see why Paul is praying every time. Ephesians 1, 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The eyes of understanding being enlightened. So we know there is something we need to know. There is truth that resolves every problem. You might be reading it, you might be doing, but God, when God brings it, it's a fresh revelation in your spirit that brings the faith and instantly you see things happen. Now, I want you to listen to me. In the final analysis, you still need the knowledge of the truth to walk free. In the final analysis, in any situation you have, you, still, you personally need the knowledge of the truth. You need faith to keep walking free of that thing. In the final analysis, if somebody lays hands on you and prays and you get a miracle, in the, that's not the last page of that, you know. In the final analysis, in the final analysis, you must develop your faith to fend off counterattack of Satan because he does bring counterattack. He does all the time. He does. And this is where many Christians lose it. Because they get it, they don't know how to hold it to tomorrow. To something, the thing hits back, they say, oh, I thought God healed me, and they lose everything. But everything just goes like that. Oh, I thought God healed me. But the devil is counterattacking you. You need your faith. We, we, did, we did one miracle crusade in Lagos. Oh, the stadium was during Christmas. And I was a participant. The stadium was filled during Christmas. I didn't know Lagos would be empty during Christmas. When stadium gets filled, that will tell you something is happening. People got healed. Man, we saw a lot of miracles. So many. We called it Great Miracle Crusade. I wasn't a pastor then. I was just sick. I was born again a few years before then. And then we had over 600 and something people came to church. Visitation group, over 300 and something were visiting people. It wasn't long. We went, it wasn't long. We went, all those 600 and something, we never saw them again. And then the newspapers went after those people and realized that with, before long, those, those sicknesses came back. Then I didn't know what God has taught me now. I was wondering, I said, how can I? In fact, they were showing their pictures. The lame people, they were showing them, they were lame again. And then the, the newspapers began to insult us, began to attack us. Revelation 2, 25. But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. 
there is a holding fast. I'm telling you, the final analysis, if you do not take the world seriously, build your own faith, you can't hold fast nothing. You lose it. So the Holy Spirit said, you see what you've got? Hold it fast. Why hold it fast? A thief, a robber, a destroyer wants to take it from you. The only way you can fend him off is with your faith, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit. That's you can fend him off. But you don't have these things, you lose. You steal it from you. Second Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound word, which thou hast had of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Hold it fast. Now, Matthew 12.43. Let's hear our Lord Jesus Christ. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walked through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. He said, I'm checking back again. I'm going back there again. And when he is come, he finds it empty. It's empty, swept and garnished. The sickness is swept away. Whatever is swept away, made beautiful. Now you are looking good and beautiful. But they are empty. And then, the, you know those demons, how they act. He said, well, verse 45. Then goeth he and take it with himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So if you got healed and you lose it, to get you healed the second time, it's, it's really more difficult. Exactly what Jesus said happens. That's what happened in that crusade so they were healed, garnished, but they were not fed the word. So when the, thing, the, the symptoms hit them, oh, they said, I thought I was healed. They started losing it. And then, the, oh, the heathens gave us a very bad attack. Very bad attack. And from that day, that our denomination stopped. All those miracles stopped it. They never did it again. God's wisdom is the principal thing, brethren. Proverbs 4, 5. God, get wisdom. Friends, get wisdom. Go to God. Any area you lack wisdom, go to God. Stop, stop hitting your head against the wall for nothing. Go to God. If you are using the same key, the door is not opening. Is it not wisdom to go to God and say, this and I'm doing is not working? Go get wisdom. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. See what God is saying. Verse 6, do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Seven, wisdom is the principal thing. Do not make the word of God a secondary thing. You will put yourself in disorder and open the door for the devil to make you a religious bigot. He will do it. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Verse 8, exhort her above everything. God exalted her above his name. Exhort her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her, not before then. Not before then. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the right path. When you walk in it, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Thirteen. Take firm hold of instruction. Take firm hold. Take firm hold. Paul said it pro properly. Hold fast to the form of sound word you've had. Study it. Listen to it. What else are you listening to? Listen to it. Play it in your car. Play it in your house. Play it in your bed. Listen to it. Meditate on it. Hold fast to it. That's all you have. 
Do you have any other thing that can confront this wicked Satan? Do you have any other thing in this world? Is it your money? Take from hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. This is the word of the living God. Sunday, by the grace of God, we're going to talk about life a little bit. So you know that the most, the greatest blessing you have is life. If you remove life, if you are dead, what other thing are you talking about? It says, she is your life. Remember Proverbs said, if you find her, you find life. Jesus said, it's my food. It nourishes me. It, it gives me, it makes me, it's, what food does to you is what it does to me. If you embrace her, if you embrace her, the knowledge of Christ, the word, he is the word, the knowledge of Jesus. The other thing we need to look at and understand is, Worship cannot be done effectively on ignorance. It's not going to happen. You can't worship God effectively with only instruments. You cannot worship God effectively with only dancing. You cannot worship God effectively when you are ignorant of who God is, ignorant of Jesus. Brethren, it's not, the Bible says so, I didn't say so. It's not going to happen. Mark 12, 24. And Jesus answering said unto them, do you not therefore err because you know not the scripture, neither the power of God? So if you don't know the scripture or the power of God, you err, you make mistake in everything you do. John 4, 22. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. So you can't worship what you don't know, who you don't know. You can come to church and entertain yourself, dance with the music, rock it out, <laughs> rock it out, man. You worship you know not what, but we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. 23, but the hour cometh. Now is, brethren, now is. When the true worshipers, these are the true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Ignorant people can't. In spirit and in truth. Not in emotion. Not in, you know, expressing only emotion. Feelings, you know, rocking. In, in spirit, by your spirit. When you, when you feel like it or not, it's irrelevant. It's your spirit, by your spirit. Your spirit is not your flesh. You don't worship because things are good. You don't worship because things are bad. You worship because you know him. You know him. It's driven by knowing him. It's driven by understanding who he is. Your worship becomes a constant thing. Music or not, you can worship him. Paul and Silas worshiped, praised in prison with no accompaniment. And God shook up their hopeless. That's with your spirit. Paul said, I serve him with my spirit. Not by feeling. When things are good, yeah. When things are not good, uh, not too sure. Music or not, your spirit can worship him if you know him. Give him real, he said, true worshipers do not worship by their feelings and things. They worship by their spirit and in truth. Who is truth? Jesus is the truth. In, knowing, in knowledge of him. And he said in verse 24, in verse 23, that the hour cometh, now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is seeking true worshippers. God is a spirit now, not a flesh. Not, God is not interested in our emotions and stuff like that. God is, is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for such people. Now what is really worship? Let's just define it because by defining it, you cannot see that you can't worship God unless you know him. What is worship? Now, the, 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 the Bible defines worship for us. The Bible, from reading the Bible and what the Bible says about worship, you can see the meaning of worship. Now, in the Old Testament, the words used for worship 
means to bow down, means to serve a superior, to bow down and to serve him, bowing down and serving. In the New Testament, the word used for worship means also almost the same thing. Now, the, the Old Testament word says, we bow down, we prostrate. Yeah, that's the word I missed out. Prostrate before him. Your spirit, your soul prostrates before him. And in Psalm 96, verse 8, it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering unto, bring offering and come into his court. So part of worship is bring him offering due his name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Offering that is due him in his courts. Offering of worship, praise, money. So this passage we read suggests that those who value God are the ones who really bring offerings due his name. Those who know him, who know his value, bring him what is commensurate with his value. Those who don't know his value, bring him whatever, leftover and whatever. They don't even care. They don't know his value. So he said to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. How do I know what is due God when I don't know God? It is a recognition of and a response to the word of God. That's what worship is. A recognition of and a response to the word of God. If I don't know his value, I will bring him what is not due his name. I don't know his value. I don't know his worth. When we value, when we value the worth of someone, we usually do something to demonstrate their worth. If a king comes here, you do something to demonstrate their worth. If that king steps in here without regalia, without paraphernalia, without, and comes in a common man, you, you don't do anything because his, you don't know his value. But when he comes in now with all the retinues, and all, his value goes up. And what you, what you do now is in response to his value because now you know him. Now you are responding to his value. That's what worship is. We are responding to the value of who God is in his majesty and glory. But if we don't know him, we treat him like a common man. So in the New Testament, it also involves the attitude of the heart and actions of service. Worship is the dramatic celebration of God in his supreme word in such a manner that his worthiness becomes revealed by our adoration of him with all our heart, our serving him with all our life as we give him our entire life and bringing him offering worthy of his supreme worth. When we know his supreme worth, we respond to him in adoration that is worthy of his supreme worth. You, come, you worship him with all your heart. Now let's see the demonstration of what we are talking about. Revelation proceeds worship. Without revelation of who God is, you can't give him glory to his name because you don't know him. No, you're not going to do that because you don't know what is what. So you can't give him what is due, his what. You can't. You can't. You just be doing things anyhow, you know. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Isaiah 6 from verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one has six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. Verse 3. And one cried to the one another saying, Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this revelation is being given, and this person is seeing the word of God being revealed to him. He's seen something he didn't know about God before. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. He saw the glory and the mightiness of God and saw himself and said, oh my God. He said, woe is me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean. His response to the glory of God, his response to the glory of God was because of the worthiness of God that was revealed to him. So you see that it would be easy in this state of mind to prostrate before him. He said, woe is me. For I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. Then one of the serpents flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins put. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me service. Worship is service. You surrender your all because you know, you see his mightiness. You have no option. You just surrender. He said, here are my Lord, send me. He said, I've seen the glory of God. Wow. God, I give you my all. That's worship. But what brought it about was the revelation of God. Revelation proceeds through worship. Jesus said, you want, God is seeking for true worshipers who worship in the spirit, who have a revelation of him in truth, and worship is not with flesh. Now let's read one more here. John 20, 24. Thomas. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called the demons, was not with them. When Jesus came, verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of his nails and thrust my hand into his hand. I will not believe. I'm not worshiping him. I'm not, I don't believe that he's the Lord. Worshiping him. I'm not doing that. But this is, and after eight days again, his disciples were with him and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither my hand thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless but believing. Listen to verse 28. See how worship comes. Revelation precedes true worship. Verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. What brought this change? Revelation. He saw the worthiness. He saw, he saw the awesomeness of the Lordship of Jesus revealed to him. He said, you are, oh my God, you are God. You are Lord. He, with all his heart, no argument, my Lord, my God. Before then, you could sing about Jesus, he would be dancing. That's what happens. That's what, why the word of God is critical. Because that's what reveals to you who Jesus is. If you don't know the worthiness of Jesus, you can't give him honor to him because you don't know his greatness, you don't know his lordship, you don't know anything because you are not studying. That's why Paul said, nothing compares with the knowledge of Christ. Nothing. He shows you who he is. And you, you, like, you go and say, Lord, send me. They said, we need somebody to teach life center. I say, Lord, I want to teach. I want to teach. Because you have found his worthiness. He takes primary position in your life. Occupies your whole mind. 
And when the next time you worship him, you, you all your heart will be there. Your eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Like Thomas, you bow and say, my Lord and my God. If he says to you, sit here, my Lord and my God. There's no argument about it. Worship is not just dancing only. Worship is completely serving, giving yourself to him because you know his worthiness, his greatness, his awesomeness is revealed to you. And you say, oh my God, I'm undone. I got to worship him. There's nothing else that matters now. That's what Paul saw on his way to Damascus. He saw it. He said, wow, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? And he called him Lord till he passed it. He left this world. He went after the knowledge of this Lord. Who art thou, Lord? He said, I will serve him with all my life. Nothing moves me. I will give anything to do what he said. Who art thou, Lord? A revelation was given to him about the worthiness of Jesus, the greatness of Jesus, the awesomeness of Jesus. And Paul was a changed person in his response to Jesus Christ. So you see that revelation precedes worship. When we don't know who he is, if we are worshiping, you can be doing do what you like. So we need to, again, seek to know Christ. Just have to. Because, believe you me, you can't even serve him because service is part of worship. You can't be a true servant of Jesus when you don't know him. Jesus said you worship who you don't know. Remember the people that were, they were worshiping the unknown God. And Paul saw them say, ooh, I teach you about this unknown God. Are you worshiping a God you don't know? What's your attitude, really? To the things of God, to the word of God, to your service of God, do you have you found his worthiness? Is the service you are giving him, is it due him? Is it due his worthiness? When you give him offering, are you grumbling about tight and offering? Does he, the, the one that gives you life, gives you everything you have? You don't know his worthiness. That, he said, those people who know his worthiness, bring him offering due his name that is worthy of him. Now, all God's blessings come through the word, all of it. Acts 20, 33. And so now I entrust you into God's hand and the message of his great which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace which he provides as a spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace about what Jesus did. Jesus brought us these blessings. It's in him we have it. All of it comes through the word. That's what Paul is saying. He said, this word of God is able to make you become strong and get all your blessings. Blessings of healing. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Who is the word? Jesus. He said, if the son shall set you free, then you are free indeed. He is the one, the living word sets people free. He heals people. He said, I've come with the anointing to heal you, deliver you and bring joy to you that are bruised. Blessings of life, which is the primary thing like I said a few moments ago. In Matthew 4, 4, he said, the scripture says, bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word which constantly goes from God's mouth. Constantly, 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 constantly. You got to hear it constantly. Constantly goes out from the mouth of God himself. You got to desire this wisdom. You got to seek it so that you hear it from his mouth. Constantly, constantly, continuous flow. Turn off the TV. You had enough news. Stop it. Life is not flowing from there. My friend, you watch enough. You can't sit for hours watching television. Turn it off. What news do you want to hear again? 
Haven't you had enough? Turn it off and go hear this one that gives you life. The Bible says redeem your time. Don't let the devil steal it from you. Invest it in what will give you life. Make you strong. Bring you all the blessings of God. John 4, 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, no. My nourishment comes from doing the will of my father who sent me. I'm from finishing his work. I'm focused on... I know his worthiness. I serve him. My whole life is to worship him and to feed on what he says. What he says nourishes me. He gives me life. Now let's look at blessing of answered prayer. Blessing of answered prayer comes through the word again. John 16, 24. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So you, when your prayers are answered, you have fullness of joy. You have fullness of joy. You rejoice. The reason that God answered prayer is simply because of your faith. Nothing else. Don't invent any other thing. There's no scripture that tells you any other thing. The reason God answers prayer is because of your faith. Nothing else. God does not answer prayer because we shout at him, yell at him. All those things that men do, doesn't, it's not what things say to God. God answers prayer because you have faith in his word and faith in Jesus. Period. Period. You can't come to the Father without Jesus. James 1.5. If any of you lack, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will, shall, he will receive anything from the Lord. He received nothing. Zero. Mark eleven twenty three. Let me, because of time, let me leave it alone. Mark John 15, 7. But if you remain in my word, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, you may ask anything you want, anything you want, and it will be granted. So when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great joy, glory to my Father. Much fruit of prayer. Your prayers are being answered. People are seeing what God is doing. Jesus said, now you are like me because all my prayers are always answered. Now you are my, like my disciples in prayer, and then God is being glorified because of the answers to your prayer, of your, of your prayer in your life. Your neighbors see it, co-workers see it. God is being glorified. Ephesians 3, 12. Because of Christ and our faith in him, because of our Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Now, there is this teaching that is wrong, very wrong teaching. Luke 18:2. Look at it. He said, there was a, in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by any continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect to cry day and night unto him, though he be along with them? I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Will I find you in faith? And now people read this, they say, see, that God, oh, you need to badge on God and badge on God. See this man? He said, this woman, because he, he troubled me, let me give him. Jesus is telling us that wicked people need to be troubled to answer you, but not God. Now, let's look at this judge again. 
Look at verse 2. There was in a city a judge who feared not God. Is that the nature of God? How can, you, how can you equate this kind of human being to God? Feared not God, neither regarded man. God, for God so loved the world. This is not talking about God for God's sake. This is talking about a wicked man. It's not God. A wicked man needs you to go and barge on him and barge on him. And he will give you not because he loves you. Because he says he doesn't regard man. He cares, doesn't care about you. He says, don't stop bothering me. Get out of here. That's the reason he will give you. Look at verse, verse 4. Verse 3. And there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he will not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, ah, though I fear not God, you see, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her. And some people say, see, you need this. They call it, uh, they say, name they call it, whatever, whatever they want to call it. So he said, because it troubled me, I will avenge her. So you need, need to trouble God. God is not wicked. He's not heartless. Lest by her cultural coming, she weary me out. Verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Is God the unjust judge? 7. And shall not God avenge his own now, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He will avenge them speedily. Quickly, because he loves them. Nevertheless, now when the son of man cometh, shall he find you in faith, expecting? The reason God will answer your prayer is simply because of it. Now, I want to read, you know, the hiddens. Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Six, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on, on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. So don't be like people who think God answers prayer because you talk, talk, talk. All night you are yelling at God, yelling at God. Talk, 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 talk. Some people think God answers because I have many people praying. Let me send prayer requests everywhere. Where did you see that? Others think, oh, God will answer me because, you know, I didn't sleep. I deprived myself of sleep, deprived myself of food, deprived my face of this, so I'm paying the price for the answer. You don't bribe God. You can't pay for it. It's free. That's why God won't answer you. Let's read one, one more. This I'll take just a minute to read this. thing. First King 18.25, First King 18, verse 24. And call, then Elijah told these people, he said, and call you on the name of your gods. And call, okay, my time is really up. So let me stop here. Maybe next Thursday I will start from here and then we'll conclude it. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege of hearing your word, encouraging us to, to not be deceived in these last days while the devil is offering a lot of very, very attractive things, power, miracle, all manner of things, a substitute to the knowledge of Christ, a substitute to the knowledge of God, a substitute to a sincere Seeking of the revelation of who Jesus is and who God is. That builds our faith through which we can walk with you and enjoy all our blessings. Father, I pray that you help us to really take this thing seriously. Meditate on them. Study them. And have a change of heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.